As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Okay, James, we are coming to you. Actually, we're coming to them from your basement. It's a basement edition of the Leaf Report podcast. What's up? It's a good thing we don't do video versions of this. This is like Wayne's, <laughs> the Wayne's World edition of the podcast. We're, we're next to my Nine Inch Nails poster and uh, a bunch of baby toys. And here, I got, I got this. This guy can be part of the podcast. Right, it looks bad. like a green. Uh, looks like it's the a Grinch. dancing Christmas tree. It's okay. A, yeah, my four-year-old got it at Christmas. All right, well, we are brought to you by the Athletic. Go to theathletic dot com slash leaf report and by the Saki Hall of Fame. Um, so we should start. We got a few things to talk about. We will talk about John Tavares going back to Long Island for the first time. We will talk about. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers and the Leafs, and and we're gonna kind of go into what the Oilers can learn from how the Leafs kind of rebuilt their organization. But we have to start with the trade deadline, which wasn't really that interesting. Trade deadline day. That's, the, a, that's the a good one. Actually. Best part about trade deadline was that me tradey guy that TSN had that mascot. That actually was pretty good. I agree. It was funny. You see O Dog tackle him. Yeah. And they had to pixelate O Dog. Yes. <laughs> Did you see during the game during the game against Buffalo that they there was a shot of O Dog that randomly showed up in the That was amazing. Did you, His reaction was just like perfect. Did, did you hear why that happened? No, it must just have been a mistake in like their control room <laughs> where they accidentally pressed that feed. But why would they why would they have an O Dog I guess for the intermissions he was like waiting yeah. for yeah. And they probably just pressed that button. <laughs> And maybe it was they like got, maybe they got excited in the in the control room and they hit the button. The best would have been like if Jeff just had like his feet up on the desk, was just like or sleeping or like doing. Just they're fortunate that he was just like engrossed in the game. Have you anyway. done one of those like shows? You've done it for radio, but have you done it for TV where you're like no. sitting and waiting and? No, you've done more TV stuff than me. Yeah, not like that though. But 
anyway i think uh, there's a lot of downtime like you're you're basically sitting around for hours especially on trade deadline day that's a long day when you got to cover trade deadline all day and then there's a game at night i was pretty i was pretty waxed yesterday well and there wasn't really anything happening like during the day like it seemed like everything kind of happened right at three o'clock yeah so one of those things was the Leafs picking up Nick Patan, but like basically they kind of lived up to the expectation that we had, which was that they had made their move for Jake Muzzin and they weren't tough to do anything else. Did that surprise you or is that, like I said, just exactly no, what I was, happened? I, I was surprised they did anything. I didn't think they were going to do anything at all. And the idea that they were going to move Lindholm wasn't on anyone's radar at all. So it, in hindsight... It's not that surprising. I just didn't know that another team would be interested in him. He's like he's an NHL player, like fringy NHL player. Um, but I think what was most interesting to me, like with what Kyle Dubas said afterward, is he mentioned the contract contractual status, and he mentioned that Patan, you know, is is under control, whereas Lindholm is going to be a UFA. I think it's it was a really interesting play that way in that you basically took an asset that was going to be nothing. You were going to probably let go or you could have resigned who's like going to be 27 I think next year for something younger that's under control, that has skill, that's a former second round pick, that has really good junior numbers. Like it just it it's the kind of thing that you see in other sports that we don't typically see in hockey all that much and I think it's interesting that way. Well, that's true. They're trying to win the cup this year. So I don't think they make that move if they feel like it hurts their roster right now. Mm-hmm. I think that, that Kyle Dubas believes Trevor Moore is better than Lindholm and would rather see Trevor Moore in the yeah. lineup than Lindholm. And sure. one of the ways that that was going to happen is not having Lindholm around anymore. Hmm. Right? Like I, yeah. I like the way he rationalized it makes sense. Like Patan can be a guy that's in the organization for a few years and... I don't know if they're going to be able to re-sign Lindholm. I don't even know if he's going to be in the NHL next year. But yeah. I think they were looking at. I mean, didn't he have like one point in his last seventeen games or something like that? And then as soon and every time Trevor Moore has been in the lineup on that fourth line, they've created something. And even mm-hmm. Ennis has looked really good. And the goat all of a sudden is an all star. Well, to me, that's like the the other part of this. I think the Trevor Moore part's really a good point uh, because like he clearly should be on their team like we talked about this on the podcast last week that their team is better with him in it uh but like if if frederick goche hasn't made himself into a a fourth line center who can be okay this doesn't happen because like they don't have another center who can play in that position that was going to be lindholm i think that's like fascinating that that because I was not in the train that Frederick Goche was going to be an NHL player. Well, he player. was bad last year. Don't you remember? Like, remember yes. last year? I remember last year, last December, writing that their fourth line was a big problem and Goche was a big part of the problem. And they sent him down like the next day or two days later, and we didn't mm-hmm. see him again. And it just kind of felt like that was it for him. Like, it didn't feel like he was going to get another chance. And yeah. I think, I mean, the thing we missed is he had that major, major injury the year before last season. And then he says it really set him back. Like he wasn't mm-hmm. able to train. He wasn't able to work on his skating. He wasn't able to get faster. And, you know, the time that he's put in, he put in all of last year with the Marlies and playing on that championship team and everything, it it looks like it's paid off for him. And I mean, yeah. he's never probably going to be a guy that's going to play more than 10 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. But he, you're right. He made Lindholm ex- expendable and... Now we got, now we got, uh, we were, 
we were calling the or you said that they had hoppets on the line now because they got <laughs> yes Trevor I did. Moore's what five eight Patans they're five, all really nine. small Tyler Ennis is really small like they're some, they're like my size yeah, maybe so smaller they got the three hobbits and and uh, Goche is uh, is Gandalf or he's one of the Ents he's like one of the tree guys <laughs> how, how how big are you into the Lord of the Rings I actually really like the Lord of the Rings so I know exactly what you're talking about it's kind of like or or maybe. Mary and Pippin are really small. Who's the guy who's a little bit bigger than those two guys who kind of goes with them? The tree? Anyway, whatever. The tree's the ant, but he's not a little bit bigger. He's huge. Okay. Well, no. Oh, and the tree carries them. Yeah. Okay. Let's not go down that, that hole well, I don't know who much. the eagle would be, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> um, but so, do you, is there anything else you want to talk more about that trade? Or Goche? You, I, I you, literally wrote... Is Gary Bettman Sauron? <laughs> or is he Solomon? I always got those two confused. Well, Solomon's the bad wizard. They're both bad. Sauron's bad too. Yeah, but Sauron's not a wizard. <laughs> Jesus, you're you're Sauron way deeper into this than me. <laughs> Any more Patan, Goche? I think more? Patan can be something. Like you were kind of poo-pooing the trade, but it's like like if you can trade no, like a fringe. No, that's not fair. I wasn't. You said I was it, just like this doesn't. You. My reaction Pat, was this doesn't do anything. Your tweet for was there. Patan sucks or something like that. <laughs> No, it wasn't. I'm just kidding. I'm just being stupid. Yes. I'm being stupider than normal. Yes. Um, I think Patan could potentially be something. You know, I think it's, it's a. I think it's a smart play. Like there's Dubas no is downside. finding these reclamation projects. The only thing that I was curious about is how long they've had their eye on Nick Patan because he's been wasting away in Winnipeg. Like he he hasn't played in a long time. And the other thing that I'm curious about is, and people in the press box were talking about this. I, I had some other reporters asked me like, is Babcock going to play this guy? Well, like basically, um, Patan went through the exact same thing he got as Josh Levode. Levode hauled, and this is like he's coming to the place where that happens all the time. Um, like I mean, Justin I Hall. If, if Dubis accumulates enough guys like that, then he's going to have to play some of them. Is that what's happening? Not necessarily. Justin Hall's been scratched sixty times. Well, Gardner's hurt now. If they have another D injury, then I guess like and. Dubis Step right up. Dubis Actually, doesn't no. recall someone else. They'll and... recall Marincin. No, I would bet on it. Right. Hall's play hasn't played since December. Well, I mean, why more mean the forwards? Like, if there's a forward injury right now, then Patan's going to go into the sure. lineup. I bet they'll work him in. The most interesting thing to me would be, and I don't think this is going to happen because Goche has been fine, would be if they, like, went to an ultra-small, super-skilled fourth line of, like, Patan, Moore, Ennis. Well, that's what Dubas did with Sault Ste. Marie, right? Yes. He was, like, the only team that did that, and people said he can't win that way. And, you know, he the, this is history repeating itself because this happened in the OHL, and it's... I don't know. There's all the talk leading into the deadline. The Leafs need a heavy forward, and are the Leafs tough enough? And I don't think Dubas believes in any of that stuff. I mean, he, that just doesn't fit. Like, it's not like that they don't like tough players. I was saying this to, I was talking, you know that uh, 67 Sound, the guy on Twitter? Mm-hmm. I was talking to him uh, on DM or whatever, and, and I was like, people think that analytics people don't like tough players. It's like, no, like, they just like tough players that have good analytics. Like, Jake Muzzin's a tough player mm-hmm. who was very good good underlying numbers but they don't like you know tough players that are just tough and not good like there's no point they don't like fraser mclaren and a whole bunch of all the guys that the leafs had a few years ago like it's mm-hmm. that's and, and the other thing too is that toughness is often something that's really overvalued in the nhl and is more expensive than the benefits that you get from acquiring sure. it well and like it's not like you acquire one let's use the name 
Simmons. Wayne Simmons. Like suddenly you acquire Wayne Simmons and it's like, oh my God, they're a tough team. They're they're that that's not who they are. Like that's not gonna. You wrote a story about this a few, uh, few weeks ago. That's not it. Like they're a skilled team. They're they a fast ski, skilled team. They that's can't what they change are. what they are. Like they, nor should they. Like right. why? Why are you going to change? Like, well, because people are saying that you can't win in the playoffs that way, and you can't beat Boston. And I mean, the chances they're going to play Boston right now look very high. There's a huge gap now with Montreal that's opened up. Mm-hmm. There, the Leafs are seven points up in Montreal. The the Bruins are eight, and the Bruins are playing San Jose tonight, and could move even more than that. It's. I mean, I would say it's. 98% chance it's Leafs Bruins in the first round. Like, we should just book our hotels. I was actually thinking that this morning. We should. Apparently, the hotel situation is not good. It so, wasn't good last year. We stayed in Airbnb. Remember that? Yeah. That you was, hated it. That was not a nice place. <laughs> we need to up our Airbnb game. The Athletics got to fork out a bit more money for that. <laughs> um, well, so one of the implications of them not doing anything further is that their defense is going to be the same. Unless something changes and, you know, Mike Babcock is convinced to play Morgan Riley on the right or Jake Muzzin is convinced to play the right or whatever, I still think that's a big flashing light. Um, I was looking at it today. Yeah, it was this morning. I was looking at it. Um, the riley Hainsey pairings numbers in the Boston series last year. I believe it was like 40%. It was horrific. Yeah. It was really, really bad. They can't do that again. They can't do it again. The problem is, like, all signs point to them. Not just that, that, but the penalty kill was also brutal against the Bruins in that series. Yeah. I'm going to write about this at some point. There's probably, like, some bloggers and stuff that are listening to this that are going to write about it before I get a chance to. But I I was planning on writing about it soon, like, just looking back at that series. And we were talking about this at the rink today. I think I was talking about it with you. You or someone else. Just, like, they didn't lose against the Bruins because... They weren't tough enough. They lost because like the penalty kill was bad, and they lost for a number of reasons that weren't. It didn't have anything to do with being tough. You mean they didn't need more heaviness? No, like if they had Wayne Simmons on that team last year, do you think they would win that series? Because he like. Do you want to know the ranking of the thing? The reasons they lost. It was me we were talking to <coughs> about this. The reasons they lost were Kadri was suspended for three games. They were playing Thomas Pekanich. Well, the 16... first two games. Thomas Pekanich isn't in the league anymore. He was playing like sixteen minutes a game. Uh, Frederick Anderson wasn't great. Austin Matthews scored one goal. Their penalty kill wasn't good. And their top pair got filled in by the, the Bruins' top line. That's why they lost the series. But anyway, that's like that's that's a playoff preview show that we'll talk about that stuff. But yeah, if you're... Actually, I think that was supposed to be the podcast in a couple of weeks, and I totally screwed it up. So. It's okay. But so, like, if you're Kyle Dubas, you've added Jake Muzzin, I think, with the intent of trying to improve that top pair. That's not happened. What do you... Like, what... What do you do? Like, do you just well? What let can, this play if you're out? the GM, you you can't do anything. Yeah, and you don't like. You, this was your time to be able to do something. He took Lindholm away, but he didn't opt to take Hainsey or Zaitsev away. The problem is like, it's going to be an issue. Like, it 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 just at some point will be an issue, and you wonder what the implications are from that. I just don't understand why. They haven't tried more with Muzzin and Riley. Like I don't know what you wait you're waiting for. Like th- there's 20 games left in the season. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they tried it for six and a half games and then punted it. Like it it doesn't totally make sense. You to know me. what's interesting, and I wonder if Babcock looks at this, is that Hainsey's plus minus is ridiculously high. Do you think that that's a factor for the coaching staff? And they're like, 
we we're outscoring the opposition by a huge degree when Hainsey's on the ice. Well, and, I know I did a story when I was at CP on plus minus, and I I actually talked to Babcock outside the scrum about it, and he said that is one of the things that he considers, but he also looks at scoring chances and like he looks at all the, those underlying numbers. But I, I to me, it's like he just trusts Hainsey more, and he's been pretty vocal that he doesn't think Riley should be on his offside. The problem that you and I were discussing this in the press box the other night is, is it so worth it to them to have Riley's offense, if that's even the case, versus like the deficiency of having Hainsey there as well? Like it doesn't, it doesn't compute for me. Well, no, I mean, like the question is how much worse is Riley's offense? And does that outweigh having a better player out there with him? The question, too, is the tough minutes. Like, it was remarkable to me how good Hainsey looked playing with Dermott on third-pair minutes and getting offensive zone starts. And, he mm-hmm. like, he looked really good. And I think if he's against slower, less threatening players, he's he's fine. Like, he's not – he's an NHL defenseman. He should be playing in the mm-hmm. league. Yeah. The concern is – we've talked about this on other podcasts, so I don't want to repeat my, The concern is is that the Bruins are have one really good line, and yeah. you're going to be throwing Hainsey out there in a hard match situation in D-zone starts, and they're going to get hemmed in their own zone again. Well, I think we can say with certainty that they would have looked to they looked to upgrade that position again. Let's go into, like, why it would have been difficult. Um, I think it's, like, for a number of reasons, which we've touched on occasionally. Um, but some of the problems were that they needed dollar in, dollar out. There's not a ton out there. And cost. Is there anything else that comes to mind for you, or are those kind of the things? I think cost is a big one, because they could have gotten a defenseman, but other teams wanted, like, they they wanted either a really good prospect or a player off the roster, and I don't think either of those things make sense. Like, like they could have got Brett Pesci, but, like, you can't trade Kapanen with the way he's playing. You can't trade Andreas Janssen with the way he's playing. You yeah. can't... Like, that doesn't make you better. Like, bringing in Pesci... It's the same thing we talked about with Riley. Pesci's going to be an upgrade over Hainsey, let's say. Let's mm-hmm. say that that's true. Um, it is true. But, like, to what extent... And if you subtract a really good winger from your team who's playing with, you know, your best centerman and it has been really dangerous offensively, it's mm-hmm. not... Like, you're not getting that benefit. So... Yeah. The, it's like it's like Larson Hall to a lesser degree. It's like you, you. Yes, you've improved your defense, but like you've made your forward group weaker oh, we're and a gonna, lot weaker. We're going to get to the Oilers later, <laughs> perhaps soon. Perhaps now. Perfect segue. Yeah, there we go. Um, but let's take a second um, to mention the Athletic. Go to theathletic.com/slash/leafreport. Um, there was the, the Athletic has big things planned for podcasts, including ours. So we're really excited about it. Um, thank you to the people that have supported us and and. Uh, used our promo code to sign up to the athletic or that have some people have given us some money on on patreon patreon over the last year we're going to get better equipment we're going to have guests on the show we're really we're going to record every single game uh during the playoffs Uh, we'll do a podcast probably the next morning right that's what we'll do um so the podcast i mean it's it's grown a lot and it's thanks to people like really supporting it so if you're not signed up for the athletic i hope you give us a shot for the the stretch drive in the playoffs uh, it's only, was it $39 or something like that? Theathletic.com slash leaf report. Sign up and um, 
And it, you don't have to just like Leafs. If you like, but chances if you're listening to this podcast, you like Leafs, but there's tons of spring trainings started. So there's so much good baseball stuff. Ken Rosenthal seems to write like 50 times a week. It's insane. That and everything is like, well, everything is really good. I don't understand how he does it. He's, but he's like one of the best people in the world. Like, yes. I, I've talked to him a couple of times and like, what a nice guy. Like, he's, he's been such, we got him pretty early on in the athletics evolution. Like, we weren't a very big company. Did he start before you did? Uh, I think right around the same time. Maybe a little bit later, yeah. Well, yeah, I think he started, like, when it was World Series time. Yeah, yeah. and that's and you started in September, and he started, like, closer to October, maybe. Yeah, and I was a big fan as a big baseball fan. But he DM'd me, I can't remember what it was, I think it was about some Blue Jays thing or something, and it's just, you know, just like a wonderful teammate. Here's a guy who's, like, one of the icons in the industry and doesn't need to, you know, give other people the time of day. And, you know, and he's been retweeting, like, people in their first year on the beat and... He's been he's been great. So, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that the athletic one of the really neat things about the company is we've brought all these really talented sports writers from all these different places. And yeah, I went on the Leafs road trip last week, and I was in Denver and Vegas and Arizona, and I'm meeting all the beat writers from the other cities, and it's like this collective of all these people from all these different places, and mm-hmm. um, it's pretty neat. It's been fun to be a part of this. Okay, well, let's move on to Leafs. Um... Leafs are going to play the Oilers on Wednesday, so there's a chance who you're listening to this and that game is done. But it doesn't matter because this conversation is still relevant. Um, you're going to write about this. They may people listening may go to theathletic.com and read this after they've subscribed. Yes, and listen to the podcast. But so one of the things that you've been thinking about, and actually I've like it's crossed my mind too. Um, there are a lot of lessons, not just for the Oilers, um, but for other rebuilding teams to take from the Leafs and what they've done. What kind of comes to mind when you think of like some of the things that the team has done to get to this point where now they're challenging for a cup, whereas like five years ago it was a bit of a, you know what, cluster F. Step one, identify someone who can be the kind of overarching figure and identify the problems in your organization and fix them and give them autonomy. That's what the Leafs did. And I think it's probably the first time they really did that wholeheartedly. You know, I started covering the Leafs around 07 or 08 and, you know, it was, it was kind of messy. I mean, I guess they did turn over the keys to Brian Burke Mm -hmm. in November of 08 or 09. But he wanted to speed it up. Right. He, he took things in the wrong direction. And the difference was when Brennan Shanahan came in, and he had the benefit of seeing the wreckage of what happened with when Burke tried to speed things up. And he also had the benefit of he Brendan Shanahan had a whole year to kind of evaluate what was wrong in the organization and just kind of observe and talk to people and look at everything uh, before the big purge happened. But I think the most significant thing that happened was they identified the right person in, in Shanahan to come in and, and mm-hmm. figure this out. That's the That's one of the most important things is find the right person who can fix it and and give them the ability to do so. Okay, so I'll follow up on that with something he said, um, and it was I, th- I believe he said this at the end of season press conference at that the end of the fourteen fifteen season when they had all that crazy shit happen. They had Horacek, they fired Carlisle, and one of the things he said was the hardest thing in Toronto is not to have a plan. He said the hardest thing is to stick to a plan, and I think if there is one big lesson to take from Brendan Shanahan's leadership is that you have to stick to the plan. And it is hard. 
it's hard to stay on what you're trying to do. It's hard to be bad. It's hard to, you know, see it through when the team sucks, when you want to speed things up, when you want to like, you see it in other markets, they kept on like this plan of like, we're going to be bad. We're going to get high picks. We're going to pick the right players. We're not going to rush them. And then we're going to be good. And to me, like, that's what they did really well in a bigger picture sense. There were a lot of people talking, too, when Shanahan said that. It's going to take six, five years. It's going to take six years. It's going to – they're going to go scorched earth, and they're going to trade everybody. And they didn't really do that. Like, the, one of the things that the Leafs did that worked out really well is they kept a lot of talent around. They kept Gardner and Riley, and mm-hmm. they kept Kadri, and they didn't get rid of everything. And I think part of what happened in Edmonton is they, like, they got rid of almost everything. And then, you know, you've got – I mean, I guess they still had Nugent Hopkins. I guess they had, but... Well, but there was a point where they, they, they looked at their team and, and said, we have to change this mix, was like the talk in Edmonton. Like, they have to trade somebody. And, like, that's not a thing. Like, you just need to you need to keep your good players, and then you need to find more good players. That's how you get better. Yeah. They kind of seem to be stuck in this, and I, there's been, like, a series of different general managers there. They just need to make sure that the next person that they bring in there doesn't make the same mistakes because they've done it multiple times now where you know you're blaming taylor hall or you're blaming the fact that you don't have a defenseman or you're blaming like you're blaming the wrong things you just you just don't have a good enough team you need to keep accumulating talent and the the perfect example is what happened with jordan everly and like like it's fine if you want to trade him that that's fine but so they trade him to the islanders they get back ryan strome they don't really like ryan strome he's a downgrade from everly and then they trade ryan strome for Spooner, right, to the Rangers. Mm-hmm. And they get Spooner, and they, they don't really like Spooner because he's worse than Strom was. So you're just – people. I saw people on Twitter compared it to, you know that story of the guy that started with a paperclip and kept trading up until he got a house? They're kind of doing the opposite thing where they're – you know, you start with a Jordan Everly who's like a, a decent – what do we want to say, like a second-line player mm-hmm. who can produce like 50 points and whatever. Yeah. And you end up with – I mean, I think they're down to paperclip now, aren't they? I mean, yeah. Spooner for a guy that was in uh, – Sam Gagne that was in the minors – that no one really wanted at his contract. Like that's, mm-hmm. they're going the wrong direction. Yeah. They, they just kept taking the good pieces that they had and made them worse. Do you know what's interesting? Actually, they chased toughness to it. Like is part of it too, right? Right. They were going against the trends that were happening in the game. Right. But like, what's interesting, I think this is true. You mentioned like that they need to get the right guy in charge. I believe they hired Bob Nicholson to be their president in the same year that they, the Leafs hired Brendan Shanahan. And so, like, as much as people are giving Peter Shirelli all kinds of shit, which is fine, so, like, a lot of it's deserved. Yeah, but... The guy at the picked? top, like, is, yeah. is just as culpable, and, like, he... It doesn't seem like he's taking the same amount of arrows, but, like, whatever plan he had, like, it didn't work, or he didn't stick to it, like, or... Well, he should definitely be on the clock here, I mean... It just seems like all these organizations, like, it's not just the Oilers... It's like the senators. It's like there is no plan. And so, like, you lurch from, like, okay, we're going to do this. And then they're like, fuck, that's not working. Okay, we're going to do this. And then it's like, oh, wait, wait. You know what my fear would be for the Oilers? And, we're like, a peop- we're neutral on this. Like, I I would – it would be nice to see Edmonton, like, rise out of this sure. abyss and be competitive. And I'm from Western Canada. I remember cheering for those Oilers teams when they played against the Dallas Stars every year. And they were the underdog and, like, wanting that team to win. And then my fear would be that – they bring in the new GM and the mandate is we need to start winning, right? And you yeah. can't go in with that mindset if if what you have is not ready to be to get there. Yeah. But there's going to be a lot of pressure on, like there'll be pressure on Bob Nicholson for the team to turn around. 
right? Yes. Yeah. So he's probably going to say to the next GM, like, we need to make the playoffs. And that's and then it's just the, and, and that's a circle. Going, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a it's well, circle so, of the damned. And one of one of the big things I think from Shanahan's time is like I believe he went to ownership and said like we're going to be bad, and got that okay. I guess that's what you need. Like you need ownership to be on board with it. But like a, a couple other things that we should get to. <laughs> one, they got lucky. You can't deny the luck in this. Like getting Matthews is is lucky. They also set themselves up to be bad. To Especially have... given the Oilers win the lottery almost every year. Yeah. Somehow the Leafs snuck one in there. Right, but like they set themselves up to be bad, which means they had good odds to get the number one pick. They got the number one pick. They got lucky when Arizona took Dylan Strom, who's actually turned into a player now. They get Mitch Marner. But they also didn't miss on their, their good picks. Like Marner is, is obviously a star. Matthews is a star. Neander is going to be a star if he's not Goat's already. Goat's going to be a star. But like even like Goche is a good example of the other thing I want to mention. They don't pick those kind of players. Don't pick those kind of players in the first round. But like they have developed really well. Like um, even Goche, like who I, you wrote that story about the fourth line. I literally wrote a story with the headline: Is and if Frederick Goche is in and something like is Frederick Goche might not be an NHL player, and if not, like what does that mean for the Leafs? But they stuck with this guy when I thought like there were lots of times they should bail. <laughs> Frederick Andreas Janssen's a seventh round pick. Kasperi Kapanen has become a player. You like they've I, developed really well. The Goche and Trevor Moore and some of these guys and Garrett Sparks and like some of this is the interesting. It's not very often in the NHL anymore that the the assistant GM who's the GM of the AHL team. Yeah, Dubas was really really invested in that in that in the Marlies mm-hmm. and he was really I think under Lou. Uh, everyone was like a little bit siloed and everyone kind of focused on their own thing. And, you know, Hunter focused on the scouting and Dubas focused on the Marlies and development. And so uh, Dubas did that for whatever it was, three years, was hyper-focused on that. I mean, when they won the Calder Cup, everyone saw him, the way that he lifted it and how much it meant to him. Yeah, It's it's very rare in the NHL that you have a young guy running the HL team that's heavily invested in it and is like putting all of his time into it. And uh, they have success. And then that AHL GM becomes the NHL GM, and then he brings players with him. It happens with coaches we see a lot, where like the coach, like like John Cooper was with uh, Norfolk and and, and Syracuse too, I think, right? And then moves up to Tampa and brings some of the players with him. We see that a lot. Uh, Mike Babcock, he was with Cincinnati, and then he went to the to Anaheim, and then he had some of those play, the young players he had in Cincinnati in the mm-hmm. AHL. With that happens all the time, but we don't really see it happen with a GM. So one of the interesting things that has happened is that Kyle Dubas believes in all these guys. He believes in Justin Hall, and he believes in Trevor Moore, and he believes in Frederick Goche, and he yeah, that's who true. who who am I forgetting? Like Dermot, all these guys that he was there for in their development, he he stands behind them and he it feels like he's actively rooting for these guys to succeed and mm-hmm. he kind of has intimate knowledge of their entire development path and um Kyle Dubas knows better than most people including you and I if Frederick Goche is an NHL player I think sure you know, like he and, yeah. and Trevor Moore and like you look at Trevor Moore's point totals in, in his production and I mean I I see the Marlies play whatever like six to eight games a year but if you're Kyle Dubas and you're there like watching him practice every day and you're like doing the development team and you're having meetings about him and mm-hmm. like he really knows what Trevor Moore is and he believed he was an NHL player and looks like he was right. Well, and he has a vision for the type of team and type of player that he wants and like Trevor Moore fits that. And Hobbits. So, 
well, with yeah, heavy sure. keisters. Hobbits who have skill and speed. And heavy keisters. But so, like, what, if you're the Oilers or if you're any of these other rebuilding teams, it's like you need to know what you want to be and then you need to stick to it. And, like, that even came up with Dubas um, after the deadline where he talked about Boston. He was asked about Boston. And he said, like, if you keep trying to change your team to fit a certain opponent, like, you start to lose your way. And so if you're not a, a team rebuilding, you need to know how you want to play and you need to find players who fit that. And then you need to stick to it. You need to be patient how you develop them. The other thing with Shanahan that we haven't mentioned is he was really open to new ideas. And like he was willing to look at analytics and he was willing to look at someone like Kyle Dubas, who is more forward thinking and be open to it. Like you look at some of these other organizations, it, it doesn't seem like they've totally embraced what some of these things can do for them. And I think that's a mistake. And I think that gap's going to widen here too. Like as all the tracking data comes in, the teams that have invested yeah. in analytics are going to like be able to push even further ahead than the teams that are ignoring it. And, mm-hmm. you know, as I was looking at the standings here, because Edmonton's here tomorrow, you know, they're in 26th. They got 59 points in 62 games. They're seven points out of a playoff spot. I mean, the crazy thing with Edmonton too, is that they didn't do anything at the deadline. They didn't sell. They didn't try and get picks. They didn't try and like improve their cap situation for next year. Like to be fair, what do they have to sell? Well, like like contract wise. But all you do like take get get rid of bad money. Like do do whatever you can to set yourself up. Like they it's like they didn't do anything to try and prepare for what the future is going to look like. Yeah, but to to be fair, like it's not like they have all these expiring contracts like the Leafs had where they could just sell them for picks. Like. Getting rid of Milan Lucic is hard. Getting rid of Chris Russell is hard. I know, hard. but they got to do it, though. They got to... How do you do it? Like, I don't think it's worth attaching... Is it worth attaching, like, Jonathan Willis wrote about this, is it worth attaching Pugliarvi to get rid of no, no, Lucic? No, 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 But, like, maybe if it's a pick or it's, like, maybe there's someone else on your roster and their window's not going to fit with when you're going to be good. And yeah, you but... you attach that player onto that. But they're going to... They may as well just keep them. Like, they're going to be bad for the next few years anyway. What's the difference? Well, doesn't Lucci says more than a few years left, right? And you well, can't buy it out or... What was it? It was a seven-year deal for six per. Good and this God. must be, like, year two or three? Like, three, I think. They should, he should have played one season and then they fired the GM. Like, how much more do you need to see after that? It's like... Yeah. Teams should be a little bit more ruthless. Like, if you're the decision... Like, most GMs now are making $2, 3000000 million a year, and you're the head of an organization, you make a decision like that? Like, come on. Well, and it was, like, clear-cut to just about everyone else at the time that that was a mistake. Well, he had slowed way down in Boston. Like, they didn't yeah. want him there. But, like, it, it's... it's You can blame it on Torello. You can blame it on Nicholson. Like, that's got to be ownership saying, like, we, we're not good enough, and, like, we really need to build a... a yeah, but you know but... what though, Jonas? So like the owner, yeah, the no, owner don't there. understand for sure. You hire hockey people; they should do their job, and they didn't do it well. Clearly, like, do wasn't it? Was it you showing me the video where someone went and talked to Melnick on the street about? <laughs> yeah, yeah was... some 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 news station tracked down Eugene Melnick in in Ottawa, or was it in Toronto? I think it was in Ottawa, and was asking why why did you trade Mark Stone? And it's like you got to go talk to the GM. Like I'm just. I'm a businessman who, like, you know, who's not very good at running a hockey team. What was the best part of that video? Is it he was like a run a hockey team? Well, he oversees. He owns it. The best part of that video is he was getting into a stretch limousine. I think it was like an SUV stretch limousine, and he was getting in the front seat, as you pointed out. Well, I don't think things have been going very well for Eugene Melnick, so maybe he's driving his limousine at this point. <laughs> 
Um, okay, is there anything else about... You laughed at that joke, even though I said that when we watched that video together. Because it's still funny. Oh, okay. Better than your puns. I can just keep reusing my material on the good listeners here. <laughs> All 14 of them that are left. It's getting cold in my basement now. Is there anything else, um, any other advice you want to give to the Oilers from what you've seen with the Leafs? I think the fans should start turning on the team. Stop supporting them. I think that, that sends a powerful message. What does that mean, though? People talk about that with... Well, what I remember it happened in Vancouver. I remember when I lived there and they went through those disaster years with Keenan and Messier and all that crap. And there was a year there, I think it was 99, where the Canucks got like 13,000 fans a game. And that was that was like listed number and it was actually worse than that. And that speaks to ownership, you know, and eventually they, they got things turned around. And I think part of it was they got the message. And Edmonton, you're going to see it. You're going to go out for that part of the trip i'm gonna to go to calgary and vancouver uh you're gonna to go to edmonton you're it's a beautiful building like they did a great job with that uh now they just got to get the the right team there that um fans can be proud of well but the weird thing with like some of those markets and i think vancouver is a good example fans there it seems like are very just like they were here they're very open to the fact that they would be okay if the team like took a step back and like got Got really wow, young and, and collected good young players. Like the thing that they that I don't like that some media do and like ownership and management fans aren't dumb. Well, they are, people did it here, right? Will yes. Leafs fans will Leafs fans tolerate a rebuild? It's like, of course they will. Like if you have an intelligent plan, like don't yeah. you remember the teams they had? Like they had, sure, you know the Leafs. You know you got like Frogren and Lebda and shit on your blue line, and it's like. You know, will Leafs fans tolerate that? They did. I mean, they tolerated those crappy teams. So, yeah. of course, they're going to tolerate you going, having a plan and going getting good young players and trying to play exciting hockey and trying to do things new school way. And mm-hmm. and I think that the fans in Edmonton would, quote unquote, tolerate it too if you went in with a plan. I mean, it might not work, you know, like it's not going to, not every team's going to turn it around. But I think if you get smart people and you collect as many good players as you can it's sure as hell a better plan than what they're doing right now yeah well and and don't sell like i think another mistake that they've made in edmonton a they haven't drafted well at all like they don't have anything uh they haven't got they haven't hit on like an andreas jansen they they just haven't done that that well remember that draft and everyone said that that pooley was going to go three and and then columbus took dubois and he just he looks great I mean, he's been he's a star for them, and I remember people were saying that Columbus went kind of off the board and took him, and I think he got up to a slow start in his first season. I'm just looking at Puliyarvi. I'm just wondering what they could have done differently at that that four pick. Who went right after him? Do you remember? I don't. I'm gonna have it up here real soon. But I mean, Puliyarvi still might turn into something. It feels like they've screwed. He's 20, and they they yeah. tried to rush it with him, and then like it backfired. Well, which happens. They're, they're desperate, man. So you leave it. Well, Matt Matthew Kachuk went two picks later, and I mean that was a well, pick that some people criticize, and he's been fantastic for Calgary. Look at the next guy, Clayton Keller, Sergachev. Well, look there, Alex Neal, Charlie McAvoy. There. Yeah, well, Charlie McAvoy is a good pick. Yeah, it's interesting though. Like like some of these are not good picks. Like you know, I heard that Mark Hunter liked this Michael McLeod guy, and the Leafs were talking to him, but I mean, it doesn't look like he's going to be much of. The draft's a real interesting thing, and I think that what we're talking about with analytics, really sorting out the the good teams from the bad, and I think that there's more and more of that that's going into the draft these days now, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you have to like invest in all that stuff. Have an analytics team, embrace it, 
understand what it can do for your team. I'm not sure like that was always totally the case in the Lou Lamorello years. There are obvious examples of that. They did have an analytics team at least. They did have, right? And they found players and like, Anyway, I think there's there's a you'll have a good article on this by the time people are listening to this. Go to the athletic.com. Oh man, you're really talking it up. I haven't even started it yet. Yeah, but like the the I'm ideas are listen, marinating. I'm gonna listen back to this and just write out what you said and just say, write out some notes. Yeah, it'll be like this was your lecture and you're taking notes on it. Um, so we should mention uh, the podcast is also brought to you by the Saki Hall of Fame. Go to myfranchise.com. They have some cool like leaf related socks. They have a Joe Bowen. Sock, Wendell Clark, his stash looks amazing. Doug Gilmore, Johnny Bauer, and of course Mike Bab- Babcock, I get the, the namesake by. I get the Bab sense Sox. some fans right now don't want to wear Mike Babcock socks. Yeah, there's like so we got a lot of questions last week that we didn't actually get to, but a lot of like questions about Babcock and his usage and like his how he uses players systems some a lot of fans are frustrated i think it, especially like kind of like some of the analytical fans are frustrated with i think i think what's happened with hall not getting a chance and muzzin not playing on the top pair for very long and marlowe yep. being on the first line and yep. hyman playing 20 minutes a game and well what else am i forgetting brown playing a lot and lindholm there, on there the third are, line and, there are fair gripes um, they're still one of the best teams in the league. He will be judged, I think, and and we can fairly judge him if the results don't come in the playoffs. And if the results don't come in the playoffs this year, and if the results don't come in the playoffs next year, he will be under heat, and fairly. And though all those things you mentioned are things that you and I have written extensively about. They are fair points to quibble with. But the point is, they're still one of the best teams in the league, and a lot of that, obviously, is like they've assembled all this talent that we've talked about. But he will be judged in the playoffs, and that we're not there yet. All yeah, what we talked about off the top with kind of Hainsey being on the top pair or whatever. It'll be interesting to see if there's a turning point where Mike Babcock reaches where he moves away from that because, mm-hmm. you know, he's got Janssen on on the top line now. Um, We've seen that. We saw that like where on a dime he just stopped playing Matt Martin, and then they start, they brought up Kapanen, and then they brought up Janssen, they brought Dermot. up Dermot, and they just changed. And and then he never went back, so. But so the the, the final thing we're going to talk about um, is John Tavares going back to Long Island. There's obviously all this expectation that he's going to get booed. He will get booed. Um, do you have any general thoughts about like what to expect or like whether this is crazy or I, think, I don't know. I think it could be. My concern is it's going to be worse than people are... It's going to be more than booing. Like, I think people are going to be... It sounds like Islanders fans are talking about throwing jerseys on the ice and burning them in the parking lot. And I, I wouldn't surprise me at all if in that game there's, like, delays and, and, you know... I didn't realize Islanders fans were this... I don't know if passionate's the right word. It's like passionate mixed with crazy. I don't know what the... <laughs> I don't know what the right term is, but... um this this feels like pretty unique. It they feel like seem to feel more spurned than most teams that lose a free agent player. It feels more unique in hockey. This is not unique in in basketball. This happened. Granted, the fan bases get this upset though. Well, they they got this upset when LeBron left Cleveland to be to you know want to bring it back home when Chris Bosh left the Raptors. It was a to this level, but fans are really pissed off yeah. at Chris Bosh. He came back here and he got booed. I think there were some cheers, but I'm pretty sure he got booed. 
Vince Carter was really bad because yeah. it was a different situation. The problem here is like there's like this real nasty undercurrent to this one, and the problem with that is it's kind of bullshit because it's not fair. It's like there's this world that that fans are living in that it's like the guy is property of your team. He's a human just doing his job, and when he gets a chance to choose to play somewhere else or choose to work somewhere else he took it and there's nothing wrong with that like i think i'm fine with the fans being upset i mean i you know i don't your fans right like it's your team and if someone doesn't want to play for your team you can take that as a slight it's just like don't take it too far like don't right you know i don't I don't you know. shouldn't be There's... wishing ill on him, like and, and right. hating him. I don't like, think he he's didn't... a. I don't think he's a bad person. I mean, do you like? Do you think? Obviously not. Like this is come on. Like, do you think that he could have handled it differently the way that it went down? I just, I don't think that he really fully processed the optics of the whole thing. Like, well, do, like the thing that the fans say they're upset about is that he kept saying, "I'm going to be an Islander forever, and I'm not going to go anywhere." And and they felt like he was like lying to them for a long time, and then all of a sudden he just left at the last minute. But we're human beings. We we think things will be some way, and then shit changes. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. It feels like what he was guilty of was like he was like almost too all in like he just shouldn't but, have been but, so like but maybe that's how he was feeling at I the think time that is maybe like felt. his mind changed it's like it's crazy like a human being changes his mind and like maybe thinks something different you're asking what he could have done differently i guess the only thing he could have done differently is i don't know not tweeted a picture of him in leaf pajamas but like what's wrong with that like he he's wasn't excited. even wearing leaf pajamas didn't you see dangles brown wrote about this he had bed sheets that had leafs on them they, whatever okay. well dangles brown did a big column on it <laughs> okay i gotta go check it, that out i think it was one of our most popular pieces okay so the point is even then he's excited to go and play for the team that he grew up rooting for he's from toronto like that's not a crime he didn't go on national television and say you know, screw, I'm I'm not going to go back to Long Island. I'm coming home to Toronto. He didn't do anything like that. Like, I get fans being angry. I was mad when Vince left and how he left and all that stuff. But was I going to burn his jersey? No. Vince was like kind of like openly, he like quit on the team, right? He literally quit on the team. Yeah. Whereas Tavares played like his heart out, was their, one of their only good players for almost years. 10 years. Yeah. Was great in the playoffs wanted to win and just probably looked around and at what was going on with ownership and like the yeah, general manager he, just, he had some questions over whether it was going to be successful there and he was being offered to join what looked like i mean the islanders have had an amazing season and then mm-hmm. like full credit to everyone there and you know it uh, <laughs> imagine if they play in the playoffs i just i guess what i'm saying is like i don't it's fine if the fans are angry. I just hope they don't take it too far. I hope they don't, like, I don't know. Be fair to the human being. Like, he's just a human just like everybody else. And, like, I don't know. I, you're, I'm you're, i the opposite of you. I'm expecting this to be overhyped, and he'll get booed, and that'll be the end of it. I don't think it's going to be anything, but I could be wrong. And hopefully it's not. Like, this one just seems like they're angrier than I've seen before in the NHL. You're basing that, though, also on social media where people talk tough. And not that they should act tough, but, like... I just don't on. want them, like, throwing batteries at them on the ice or, like, something like... I don't know. Don't do anything dumb, Islanders fans. Like, come on. I don't think other fans are listening to this podcast. No. But they might after they hear we talked about this. Whatever. 
We love you. Thank you for subscribing. Art Staple is a genius. It's interesting, you know, with, with The Athletic now, we have subscribers from, like, all these different fan bases. And if you, like, we can tag different stories with different teams. If you tag a story with, like, multiple teams, you get all the fans from the other team. That, that I don't know if we've done that with any of your stories. No. But, like, sometimes I'll, like, I wrote about when the Islanders and the Leafs played last time, I wrote about the Islanders and the Leafs and how there's like this weird rivalry that's come up and we tagged it with both teams. And it's like, then you get the fan bases are both like fighting in the comments and I just think... be, they should just be happy. They should be upset that he left. That's fine. They should also understand that he's a human being and that they have other good players and that they should just, I don't know. I understand. They think he lied to them and is deceitful and always knew he was going to leave. And, but like none of that is actually true. No, it's not like he everyone you talk to and everyone that knew him well kept saying I remember like three or four days before he decided everyone was like, I still think he's staying with the Islanders like he he loves it there. And like, I think he did. You know what? Play it out. Let's say he he actually wanted to lie. Should he have come out at the time and been like, you know what? I'm Aaron did it. Right. Would you rather that be the situation? Like, clearly, he he really considered staying. And honestly, man... He probably should have just been more vague about it, right? Like, he probably just said, you know what? I don't know what's going to happen. Well, then they would have given him shit for that. So you can't yeah, win. Yeah, but like... And you know what? Not the fans, because the fans didn't do anything wrong. Based on how that organization operated while the time he... During the time that he was there... They didn't deserve the benefit of the doubt. They didn't. Like, they they were a shit show. They didn't develop. They didn't draft well. Generally, like, they didn't put good teams around him. He gave them nine years, and they didn't do anything. It's Why would be, you stay? It's going to be interesting to see, like, their PDO is really high right now. Their save percentage is really high. It's going to be interesting to see if, if they got some really good prospects coming, like mm-hmm. Wallstrom and... And good players now. Like, Barzil's, like, awesome. awesome. He's fantastic, yeah. And he's a BC boy, so I... <laughs> he's... he's uh, I will uh, I will advocate for him any day. And I, it's good that they've had a good season. I mean, it's, they've been one of the biggest surprises of the year. Like, Trotz is probably going to win Coach of the Year, and Laner might be up for the Vesna. and who Don't knows? Say Don't say it. Don't <laughs> who knows? say it. Who knows what happens with the GM of the Year Award, Jesus. which is one of the most prestigious... <laughs> trophies in all of professional sports well sweet lou is going to get like a real test of his gm medal when all those guys are ufa anders lee is ufa brock nelson's ufa uh i forget who else is ufa he's gonna he'll be tested anyway no more islanders talk uh, we had a lot of oilers and a lot of islanders talk here it was some good stuff okay so we will be back actually next week is next week western canada trip yeah i'm gonna be gone so we'll do a podcast when you get back the following week. I'm going to the homeland. I'm going to see the dirt hills of Kamloops. I'll go go see the pulp mill and the. Yep. Good BC boy. And I'll be I'll be in the in Edmonton. So we'll come back uh, come back with another podcast after that Edmonton game. When I'm back from Western Canada, James is back from Western Canada. Again, go to theathletic.com slash leaf report. Get your discount. Sign up. Uh, and get your your Bab socks or your Saki Hall of Fame socks, and that's is that it, James? That's it. I think uh, that's, that's it. Oh no, we got one. There's one final word here. She used to dance. He doesn't dance anymore. Thanks for listening. <laughs>